0: show because that's not what people want like people don't want uh and actually too so i was talking to a good buddy of mine so i hit record so welcome ladies and gentlemen i'm not going to do a official introduction but anyways before we get started i am um joined by darren from 34 strong um i uh would like to try to pronounce your last name but i just think it'd be offensive so maybe i should because it might be funny
1: It'll be funny. Go for it. All right, and you'll it... probably actually get it right. It'll be funny because you'll probably nail it. <laughs>
0: because it's just, it's phonetic? For, you got it. F- it it's far- phonetic. Farisami.
1: Dude, you knocked it out of the park, All right, man. So... You, you knocked it out. It's like you've been saying it your whole life. <laughs>
0: so Well, I'm happy that you reached out to me, Darren, because I uh, me and my relationship with this podcast, it's it's changed since I actually had like a business to run. And it's not like a hobby and not like the idea of hobby um that is like i didn't mind doing the podcast when i had a job um Mm -hmm. because it it was it was just like kind of like a labor of love but now it's like now that i don't have a job and i'm responsible for my income um it's a totally different ball game and i and i just haven't been that happy with it and one thing that a good buddy of mine said is like man you kind of juice it up a bit and I'm like what do you mean he's like well the salesman version of you comes out too much versus just you which you've been transitioning to just always be you and so it's been like a an interesting thing that like I kind of juice up like instead of just being more chill on the mic I, I sometimes I think I like I, I try too hard to be um, a host versus hey let's just have a conversation so I want to shout out Mike McCallowitz because he he told you to reach out to me and then mm-hmm. we, we've tried scheduling this a couple times, and I had a bad bout of sciatica. Which, um, thank goodness for yoga, that's like the only thing that helps me sure. battle that. Um, and also, it's helped me lose like forty pounds doing like, shout out to Diamond Dallas Page Yoga, so the pro wrestler yoga. I figure if it keeps pro wrestlers alive, it will help me. I think anything that keeps those dudes alive. But so you're <laughs> you're also a a, a practitioner of profit first. And I was telling you, like, I've been trying to get back on that system. Like that system got me through like the first two years, but it was just forcing me to grow a little bit slower. And it was kind of like making me be more deliberate. Like I know like the first year I had all this money saved for taxes and then I, I didn't make enough to like even have to pay taxes. So then it's like, okay, well this is going back into infrastructure for the business. And then that kept going and then it's like, it seems like whenever I make a big investment into the business for infrastructure, it takes like a month for that money to come back. Uh-huh. And it's, and it's like uh and it's not bad or even like raising prices. Like I raised prices and it's like, it, it took a while. It seemed like for, for just like for me to tell a difference because like part of my money is restaurants mailing me checks and then the other part is just i i get like cash on delivery or check on delivery um so but yeah so that's uh, so I, I went off profit first because one thing that um one thing that i noticed was it was like i when i went from the first year to the second to to the off season from farmers market season off season like i only had a few restaurants so it's kind of like i fell off a cliff and then I s you know, I had to deliver pizza on the side and I was doing other stuff. And then this year I was like, well, I don't want to do that. So I started like just proactively kind of gauging up my production and like put myself in position to have to sell more. Um, but then like that was just kind of like a I don't know, man, like it, it was kind of weird because I started making more money and then I just realized that, oh man, my spending's kinda getting out of control or this is getting mm-hmm. out of control. And it was just like this weird okay i need to get back into like getting having this money be separated otherwise i'm just gonna, like i was just like why did i spend because i did my taxes this year and i didn't owe anything again and i was like but i had all this extra expense that was like okay i I really didn't need to spend that much money to not owe in taxes so it Mm -hmm. was just in but a lot of it too is it's a farm so it's a little bit different but i don't know figuring out how to be a, an, a business owner adult so but so what what exactly is your business so I know we both f- we met through Mike Michalowicz we're both practitioners of profit first and we we're talking about before getting off the system and trying to get back on so what 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 was your experience just because people asked me a lot like how I've managed hold on a second I have some issues with okay it's good people ask me a lot like how I've managed to stay in business I think a lot of it is like my sales ability my market, um, but mainly it's like, I, you know, accounting, like being able to do my taxes and keep track of like my bookkeeping, just using profit first has helped me out a lot, so um, I'm gonna shut up now, Darren, I'm gonna let you answer my question. <laughs>
1: All right. Well, I, I think there was two questions in there. There was Probably. there was what is what is the business? No worries, yeah. Drew. We are just two guys having a conversation, right? So right. I I think the first question was was what what is my business? So you know, you, you mentioned the name of the company, it's 34 strong. Uh, we, we're we're a team that's that's really committed to helping organizations become great places to work, helping small teams become great places to work. You know, profitability, the finances, cash flow is the lifeblood of business but you know it's one one of the blood cells we've got the red and white blood cells and then uh the other 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 cell the other blood cell that's in there is your people right so we we, we've got to have the right people we've got to have the right culture and so many organizations and so many teams are going through the process of just having their culture created by accident so we have choices as business owners as leaders, so no matter how big or how small your team is, uh, it actually really matters how intentional you are about building your culture to get to the outcomes that you want, to get to the experiences for yourself, for your team, for the clients that you serve that you want, and that ultimately creates the you know the financial success that you want as well. So that, that that's that's a big part of of what we do in regards to the second portion of that question. How have we Gone through the process with Profit First. You know, we've been around in business for for six years. We're we're going into our seventh year in business here, and we've been really utilizing that system. Gosh, I mean, Mike's just ability to just make uh, make that system make sense has been huge, and and he's really developed. It's not just him, but he's been a great messenger, and he's helped build out teams of, of folks that have been able to get into businesses help businesses actually get that set up for the long term and make that happen. So we've been practicing it now for just over 3 years in our business and it's just it's the process of consistently just moving the needle just a little bit each quarter. You don't even feel the pressure on the business as you as you notch your profitability up by, you know, a half a percent each quarter, your tax account up by a half a percent. But I think what you mentioned was was really, really important because we had been living in that cycle, right, of where you go out, you sell more, and you're, you're going out and saying, oh, man, I'm killing it on top-line revenue, on, on sales, and then a quarter comes or the end of the year comes, you're realizing, wait a minute, I, I actually wasn't as profitable. My my spending's gotten out of hand. So when you make your, your spending, quote-unquote, part of going into your profit account or into your tax account, it forces your hand to really get smart about your capital allocation. It, it really forces you to get smart about how is it that you, you allocate capital. Now, maybe it's the fact that I'm fresh off the Berkshire Hathaway meeting with, um, with Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger, I was out in Omaha this weekend, listening to, the, to those two icons speak, but they're, one of the, the elements that's led to their success on a massive scale that didn't start at that level was their ability to allocate capital, and that's what's led to profitability for the businesses that they've really been able to choose, and sometimes that's a matter of being able to say no to what we're spending on, and yes to what we are spending on, and when we are looking at profit as an as an expense, um, that 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 changes things for us because uh, it is an expense that we end up you know paying out to ourselves or reinvesting portions of it in the business. So you talked about the the split that you'd made there, and we've definitely gone through that cycle as well. So I hope. I've
0: answered those portions of the
1: question that you've asked. I was trying to merge those two together and happy to, you know, just continue that conversation.
0: <laughs> no, no, that that's, that's great. I, I, um, yeah, that was something, uh, you know, well, well, so I guess let's kind of take a step back. Like how did you guys, what, what initially led you guys to starting your business? Like what made you say, okay, we see that there's a huge opportunity for people to have, let's focus on like kind of work culture and like, when you guys are focusing on uh work culture like who what kind of companies do you look for do you look for bigger companies do you look for small businesses or is it doesn't it doesn't really matter like i guess i don't want to use the word because i hate when people say like what's the avatar of your of your business because i think it i don't i don't think it's ever i think it's a good idea to have a, a general idea of who your customer is but don't put that in a box because sometimes you might be surprised as to who you actually who who you actually could help and serve with the services you want to provide?
1: Absolutely. So to answer the first part of that question, we we connected in uh, it was in in early two thousand and thirteen, and it was on the heels of a trip. my wife, my daughter, who was four and a half months old at the time, and I took to the big island of Hawaii. Uh, And that was in December of 2012. So my daughter was one day she was sitting in my lap, Drew. And, you know, I'm overlooking the Pacific Ocean and just relishing this experience of being a first time dad. I'm thinking, wow, this is so cool. My wife's sitting out there. I'm eating a papaya and my daughter's in my lap. And she looks up at me and she laughs out loud for the first time. And that was truly, wow, it was such a cool experience just seeing that. And I was Utterly amazed and just looking into her little eyes and saying, Wow, you're you have all this potential. You're gonna be all these different things. You you can talk, you're gonna be able to talk, you're gonna be able to walk, run, play soccer, do karate, who knows what you'll become in your life. And in those eyes, I also had to look back and say, Well, Darren, what what the heck happened to your potential? You know, what happened to yours? You've you've taken on a job where you're collecting a paycheck. Uh, you're not really engaged in your work. And at the same time that I was in that particular job, I was also in a job teaching at a, a college where I was really helping my students tap into their potential and start businesses, become who they could be. So I had this interesting privilege personally of having lived in places where. I had worked through really atrocious organizational culture. Maybe maybe you've been through this in your life Drew, but yeah. I know I'm sure many of your listeners have, right? Pe- people don't quit bad organizations, they don't quit bad companies, they quit bad managers. And I had been blessed with the ability to live through some very bad managers in my life and also blessed with the ability to live through some great management, some great leadership. And and it was a blessing to live in both of those spaces cuz it showed me the importance of culture and organization. So about two and a half months after that experience, I met my business partner, uh, Brandon Miller, uh, and, and he was going through the process of uh, really really developing a business model around a strengths-based focus to organizational development. So it was this, this whole cycle of when we're talking about a strengths-based approach, we're getting into really looking at what's right with people and what happens when we identify what's right with people and getting teams built around people's strengths as opposed to building them around people's weaknesses, right? A traditional job that we go to You have a performance review or something along those lines. We spend one minute talking about the 10 things you've done well. But that one thing, boy, you you just haven't done that good at it, Drew. So we're going to spend all our time for the next hour talking about this and how you need to work on these elements. And it is not our greatest opportunity for excellence. So we met. That philosophy really resonated with me. We cooked up the impact that this could have on organizations for generations to come. And, and the importance of, of taking on that approach to human development because it helps to create teams where people are far more engaged, right? They're valued for being valuable. They know how they can show up and contribute and create an impact, and that, that's a little bit of the backstory. story. So we put our heads together, and, and the idea of our, our, our company was, was born. Uh, in terms of, you know, who do we work with? We we serve clients as large as the FDA and Bank of America and in in some of those Fortune 500 companies, um, all the way to small businesses, small teams. We've developed some webinar series where we've gotten into, and it's kind of an all comers type approach. People are able to get in and go through that. Teams of just you know two to three people, and even within larger companies or mid tier companies, we've gone and worked with the full. Companies and we've also gone in and worked with just small micro teams within that, and uh, and have really helped with the longer term transformation of their their culture. But if there's any any basically any any leaders, any managers that are out there that are wanting to get themselves to where they can be the best manager they can be and really design the culture that they want by intention rather than by accident, they're they're the right people for us to work with. We believe we believe fundamentally that everybody deserves a great place to work and that any workplace can be great but you got to do the work
0: yeah absolutely like do you think this even i think um so like i've heard uh there's a i heard a local guy on like the conservative talk radio it sounds like they're they're doing something similar in schools Um, but it's maybe just really having a focus on leadership like i remember when I was young and I, I was trying to I was in this uh, I was in this network marketing co- company, losing a bunch of friends and family by bothering them. But uh, that's just a joke. And then uh, <laughs> but I, I kind of was. But it, at the same time, I was reading a lot of books. So I've, I'd find like one minute manager and, and all yeah. these things. And it's, it's kind of interesting because the idea of creating a good environment and being a good leader never goes away. But it's just never there's always room to implement it. Like and I, I don't. I, it's it's kind of strange. I feel like a lot of these big companies, they don't uh, necessarily know what to do with the person and they've been there long enough. So they're like, well, I guess we'll just promote them. And I think it's kind right. of a weird philosophy to have. And then you have, you know, sales teams. Like there's a, a good friend of mine. Um, I think she's actually taking on another position and leaving. But like they had like a huge like it, it was a pretty big company but the local sales team is just they just have this high turnover ratio and i think a lot of sales jobs are like that because it's like the the percent that they're paying commission is just getting smaller and smaller and there's a whole other thing like just kind of like as to why you know you'd ask me why i started my business and it and mm-hmm. it was it was in the same regard like it it wasn't the fact like i actually had a pretty good bad situation is the way like i like to describe it to mm-hmm. me, if I'm if I'm working for somebody else, it's a bad situation, um, and that's just for me. But like, I had a good boss that would try to protect me. But you know, if there was, if there was higher ups that wanted to pretend like they actually cared about what employees thought, I was I was told to become scarce, or um, they did not want me to share my my honest thoughts and opinions because they were worried as to what the blowback would be for me. So I'd always have people that look out for me. But I think it's just this common thing that. I think it's like a big issue with um, just kind of like the crony capitalist uh, culture that's kind of like really dominating um, corporations these days. It's just like it's people are so out of touch with not only their customer, but it, they're, they're out of touch with their customers because they're out of touch with their, their, their work culture.
1: Oh, that's that's such a great point. What you just said that I think it's important to, to repeat what you just said. They're out of touch with their customers because they're out of touch with their people, right? Take this example, right? So often we look at the lens of you know, we want to have engaged customers, right? Well, yeah. Drew, how do you get engaged customers out of employees that are disengaged and checked out of their work? How do you do that? You, 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 you're you not gonna you're you're not gonna squeeze, right? You using farm analogy here, you're not gonna go to your garden and pick a bell pepper, squeeze it, and then be really ticked off that it doesn't give you apple juice, right? You're yeah. not gonna be like, why, 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 how come I didn't get apple juice? I, I just squeezed this, it's a fruit. It, 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 but it's not a fruit, it's something yeah. that, oh, right? It's not the right inputs. So it's so important, what you just said. I, I think that's a really, really important point for people to understand, is y- you gotta take care of your people, and they take care of your, your customers. But to take care of your people, Knowing this simple premise, everybody has something to contribute. Everybody wants to show up and be valued for being valuable. So when we can identify what are the unique elements that people do contribute and what their needs are, that's that's where big things can happen. So I, I, I'm sorry, Drew. I think I jumped in. I cut you off. I just no. got so I know that, no, that such a key nugget that you that you said and, and, and we understand this in the lens of not in, in companies and in workplace experiences but we can really see it in the, in the lens of you know in the arts in, well, in, in, in acting and in, and in sports. Yeah. but we miss it, and we have the same ability to play that way when we' when we're talking about our, our cultures.
0: there's some great examples out there in the place of places of sports as to,
1: to how this this goes through.
0: Well, I mean, I think about this a lot in the regard of, like, I work a lot with chefs, and um, kitchens are, like, a different kind of workplace. Like, it's not really a pleasant place to work. Um, Mm -hmm. A lot of people there, they're kind of counterculture, but they're they're doing it because they have a passion. I mean, like, I was fortunate enough to go to one of my restaurants. Uh, A chef was throwing a barbecue, and I got to go and fellowship with them and hang out with them and just, like, kind of really – I typically get along better with them than I do most farmers just because, like, my reason for getting into farming was probably different than a lot of other farmers. Like, for me, it was a business to fall back on that I could live my values with. And Mm -hmm. then I think that – and that's not necessarily why I stayed. And I think that's Mm -hmm. another thing. Like, when you get into farming or maybe any business – I know for farming, there's typically not an exit strategy. And I Mm -hmm. think most businesses, it's smart to have an exit strategy, but – so that's just what it says about me as a farmer. Um I'm just teasing. <laughs> but one thing that you know I think about is, you know, when you when you mention sports, you know, um chefs are like, you know that they, they really to me it's like a leadership position because it's like there's a hierarchy. People say yes, chef and they, there's a lot of respect and it's old school. Nowadays chefs aren't, you know, assholes like what they what people knew notoriously chefs to be were assholes and stuff like that. <laughs> Um, mm-hmm. But it's kind of changed. But I mean, like you can tell who the good chefs are that I work with because of who, you know, are their employees moving on to bigger and better things? Are, are people taking pay cuts just to work and learn from these people? Sure. And, and so there's there's different aspects of that. And then when I so when I think about that, like I think that's that's a good that's an important thing. And and working in a kitchen and managing, um, the morale and the culture there. That's it's a, it's 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 one one of many dynamics and then when I when I also look at myself as a business owner and one thing that I, I was trying to avoid for a long time was not wanting to have employees because I didn't want to have to deal with the tax aspect but mm-hmm. then when I think about it it's like so if I really want to serve the community I should really be looking to create jobs and I think too mm-hmm. if, if if my belief is like a certain kind of of traditional capitalism to where You know it's not necessarily you know determine on let's let's just uh oh here's this resource let's exploit this resource until it's not there anymore it's like kind of more of a conscious idea of like well you know there's demand and then there's you know you want to have decentralized markets and then those markets bring new markets and just like kind of an idea of like okay this is a an ecology kind of 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 commerce or it's like a different ecology that we might not understand Mm -hmm. fully and so, so I, I kind of look at it that way and it's like, well, you know, maybe maybe I need to focus more on, on hiring people or trying to replace myself and replacing others and giving people other opportunities that don't necessarily want to fit into... You know, a government entity or some large corporate entity or, or something like that. So I, I don't really know where I'm going with this, Darren. I'm just thinking like I, I these are things I think about a lot, which is probably why well, I haven't podcasted in a while. It's just because I'm always thinking about like what what do I do next? What's the next? Well, what's the next move?
1: Let, let, let me let me let me just can can I ask you just a really quick question about that because yeah. I, I think it's it's, it's really valuable for for you and, and and to frame the context for, for your listeners as well. It's an important question to ask of yourself and to ask of others. There's there's a process like if you could identify what what is your area like in your work that you do? What's your area of greatness or genius? What when you think of all the things that you have to do as a business owner, as a leader, as somebody that's managing a team of people, what are the things that you do that you get the most energy out of that actually create the most value for you? If you, could, you, know, you don't have to name all of them, but is there like one thing yeah. that just pops to mind that you're like, that's my thing? And, 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 and I want to be very clear before you answer it. It doesn't have to be you know, generating a report or a task that you do. Maybe this is, hey, I'm the guy that goes out there. I'm really good at getting people excited about what we're doing. Maybe you're yeah. the guy that spends the time thinking, ideating, designing what that next level could be. So I want to be clear that it's not, it doesn't have to be something that's tangible and a task that we can see because there's all these subtle ways that we can contribute, but they bring us
0: huge amounts of energy. Any, any one thing come to mind for you? I mean, what I enjoy doing most is just kind of building the network. I mean, yeah, like I think like it's it's cool that I've been able to get the market penetration I have with not having business cards, not having a website, just being purely word of mouth and getting referrals. And that's like Mm -hmm. what I like because I don't. I don't want like to me, it was like one of those things when I was when I was first getting into farming, I was doing a whole lot of taking photos of myself and putting them on social media, but not a whole lot of running successful business. And it was Mm -hmm. like I could get sales, but man, I I screwed myself on taxes because I wasn't I wasn't keeping track of what I was supposed to keep track of. Um, Mm -hmm. And there was just a whole lot more that went into running a business than when I Especially a farm than what I than what I was kind of aware of, but I was you know, but I, from the start I was good at the things that farmers weren't, and that was like getting access to land, getting sales, uh, mm-hmm. getting people to help you, like that. That stuff always came easy, but it was like, okay, well, this little shit of having to plant and plan my my crops and stuff like that. It's I don't really like doing that. It's mainly you know, okay, chef, what do you want? Okay, let me try to grow this for you. Okay. What this is what you're charging, okay. Well, I mean, I don't really need to charge that much, and I can save you money and give you a superior product. And that mm-hmm. was kind of like an idea was like what I really enjoy is like the, the network I'm building is really helping, in my opinion, decentralize the food system here in um, Columbus. So, mm hmm,
1: mm hmm, absolutely. So, so th- I think that's 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 an important thing to, to just consider on the other end of the spectrum, and you don't necessarily have to answer this now. But on the other end of the spectrum, when you think of what are the areas of your business that are just a true grind, I mean, you you kind of answered it in your last question that you gave. You talked about the stuff in the business that's very important for the business, but it's far more of a grind for you. It's not the areas that you really thrive. So if people are actually thinking about a way to look at that, to answer those questions, to evaluate what is it that you're doing for your business if you're a business owner or if you're not a business owner but you're 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 leading a team or you're working within a team or even if you're not leading a team but you're the the CEO of your own life of who you are which we all are we're all yeah. leading our own lives you still have to think about in your work and in your life what are the areas of your own grind greatness and genius we actually developed on our website we have a little exercise called grind greatness genius and your listeners are free to go over there and download it. It's, on our, uh, it's actually on our, our main page they can go to, and it walks you through the process of how to actually evaluate this. So it's actually a little worksheet they can get into and, and provide some primer questions and, and different ways to think through that. We gotta pause long enough, Drew, to actually evaluate where do we show up strong. And we can evaluate this a lot of times by the ways that we're feeling. There's going to be certain activities that we do that we feel really strong about. They bring us energy, and there's other things that we do that bring us exhaustion. A lot of times the things that bring us energy we will we'll catch ourselves saying things like, oh, everybody, anybody could do that. That's easy. Yeah. Anybody could do that. We almost don't even value it because it's so simple to us. And the whole point there is when you catch yourself saying anybody could do that, that's usually a tell that you're in the space of your talent. That's actually a good place for us to pause and say, hmm, is there something unique about this? Is this a place where I contribute and can make an impact? Conversely, when we catch ourselves saying, oh geez, nobody likes doing this, this is terrible, that is going to be through our own unique filter of our talents. And at the core, we have to ask the question that Dr. Donald Clifton asked just about 60 years ago, and it's simply, "What happens when we focus on what's right with people instead of fixating on what's wrong with them?" When we yeah, can answer and that, that goes back that,
0: to like one-minute yeah. manager, like looking for people yeah. doing something right.
1: Yeah, catch people doing something right, and 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 at the core of any successful team is this great proverb. It's this great African proverb. It's at the core of so much of the work that we do, Drew. It's just simply this, if you want to go fast, go alone. And if you want to go far, go with others. If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go with others. And, and you know, we were talking about the sporting piece. I, I'll just give you this quick example of Lionel Messi, if that's okay. I think it's a powerful story that I heard recently, just as last week at Entree Leadership. Um, and, and, and what it is, is Lionel Messi is one of the greatest soccer players on the planet. He's been around people. He's a living legend, many many would say. And the fascinating thing about Lionel Messi is he has simply a left foot. Everybody that's playing against him, that's defending him, knows that as a soccer player, he can only kick off of his left foot. He's very ineffective with his right foot. And the fascinating part about Lionel Messi is he almost never came to be. So when he was about 13 years old, he was discovered in, uh, in Argentina. He was brought over to Spain. He was put into an elite program where he was working on a, on, on a team on his talent as a soccer player. So by the time he was 15, Drew, he was actually packing his bags and he said, I'm done with this. I'm done with playing. I'm done with soccer. I can't keep doing this. And everybody was blown away. They said, yeah, so much talent. You're so incredible. Why is that the case? He was so frustrated because what was starting to happen is his coaches were telling him, Lionel, you have to really develop that right foot. You have, to be, you have to get stronger at that right foot. So he had been working on developing his right foot. Now here's what was happening is his right foot wasn't getting all that much better. And what started to happen is he'd be in plays and he'd know he'd be able to get through if he was using his left foot, but he was using his right foot. So what was starting to happen is his left foot, where he was incredibly strong and he felt like he had even more to develop on that leg, was starting to to atrophy, if you will. I don't mean hit the muscle was actually atrophying, but he was diminishing on that side. His right leg was not improving nearly enough to compensate for that. And then he was feeling, as a soccer player, he was just getting weaker and weaker simply because of the fact he wasn't playing to his strengths. So he basically said, I, I just can't keep doing this because I'm, I'm not going to be showing up strong as, as a soccer player. So his coaches ended up keeping him on board and saying, okay, well, if you're going to be playing with your left, you just have to be dynamite with that left leg and continue to develop and hone it. And that's what he's done. And every defender that plays him at any level knows exactly what he's going to do, that he only has a left foot, and yet he's still next to unstoppable with that. So this plays into our day-to-day and it it ties in much deeper than just our corporate workplaces or not corporate workplaces. It ties in in many ways to when we think back to our childhood in these different areas, right? We see our kids' grades and we might see that, oh, I got a 4.0. So we think that's the top of the potential, right? You got a 4.0 in math. You got an A plus in math. The real question we should be asking is what if that A that they got in math is not the end of their capacity in math. What if that's just the beginning? What if that's just what they're starting at with just their natural raw talent? What happens when we invest in that? That talent is present, but what happens when we invest in that and it becomes a strength to where we're operating at a level that's second to none to nobody? We're just at an elite level of performance. We all have those unique gifts, whether it's at math or at soccer or at cultivating relationships for farm to fork experiences going from the farm to the restaurants like you're doing, but what's that unique secret sauce that you have? And, and we don't want to just think of that in the lens of, uh, it, it has to be something that's just tactical or tangible, or I got this done or completed because so often in our society, it's very execution centric. So I hope that was a, <laughs> was a good pathway for Absolutely. you there. Drew. Yeah, no, that Let's made a bunch of sense.
0: That. Like my, my strengths have always been, um, just kind of networking connecting dots like i'm even like i'm trying to like because just like the aspect of farming is not uh it's not something that's going to be sustainable for me to do forever Uh and it's also so i've been looking into real estate and like it's one aspect of it's like you know everything i've been successful in is always just me doing you know word of mouth is typically like what's been like I'm pretty good at most aspects of sales. Like I've done a lot of face-to-face and phone selling and stuff like that. But it's just anytime I learn a new business, there's still aspects of learning this new business. And then I feel like I overthink things. Then I feel like I get frustrated and just say, Oh fuck it. I'm just going to do it my way. And it always (laughs) works out. And it's Mm -hmm. like, so I think that's kind of been my, my kind of superpower is managing to just network and then build relationships. And I think that's that because for me, like relationships are everything. I mean, like I think any any business, you're building people. Like your product mm-hmm. is, is people and mm-hmm. the people that you, you you basically empower. And I think and that's mm-hmm. that's something that people get away from. People are you know, unfortunately with publicly traded companies, there's a lot of factors. I mean, there's not you can't just blame one thing. Um, but you know, things kind of get faded out into, we we need to focus on our shareholders versus we need to focus on our end consumer and our people that we're employing. And, mm-hmm. and I think that's, um, you know, I mean, ultimately you got to take care of yourself too, which is what, what's really important about profit first is, you know, you got to right. pay yourself first. Um, but that's, you know, it, it's, there's a, there's a fine balance. It's, it's not sure. as easy as people you know it's not as easy as people think it is but it's also not as as it doesn't need to be as complicated as people make it
1: no absolutely yeah that's uh, that, that is such a such a good point and and a lot of times too is to that point is it's not a matter of if we're, if we're looking at profit first or any pieces in our business right if we're looking at it profit first if we're looking at our people and culture it's understanding, that the change that we want to have and getting to the places that we want to have, it doesn't all just happen in one feral swoop, right? At the beginning of the year, Drew, I, you were talking about taking care of ourselves and these, these things. I think you mentioned that you do, do yoga. It's helped out with the sciatica with some different things that you, you've gone through challenges with. It wasn't for you when you were working through the sci- sciatica issue that you had. It wasn't a matter of that you could say, "Oh gosh, I have this problem. I'm going to go do yoga for the next, you know, uh, two days straight, nonstop, and That's then right. I'm going to just, and then I'm going to stop, and everything's going to be fine, and I'll be totally healed, and everything will be good." Right? You couldn't do that. In fact, no. you'd actually probably do much more damage in doing that. But what we do know is if you did the yoga in repeated blocks, iterations, maybe it was every day, maybe it was a few days a week, over time there's a compounding aggregate effect that allows your body to get to where it needs to be. Well, much that same analogy that we experience, that's exactly how our lives go. That's how our businesses go in farming, right? You're not going to plant the seeds uh, seeds of, of, of a crop that you're looking at growing or put it in the ground and then dig up that seed every single day to say, hey, I just got to make sure you're growing, right? Yeah. There, there's some of it like you have to water, you have to put it, put it down. You have to make sure that you're giving it the food that it needs. And then as that as those seedlings break ground, that's part of where the nurturing continues. But we're not going to continue to pull that plant out of the ground to, to check to make sure the roots are growing. What's happening above ground is that tell. But every day we can see a little bit of a shift. So part of it is having the, the, the faith to stay the course on the real work that, that happens. And that's part of what we have to realize is in so many areas in our culture, we're looking for an app or a quick fix to go through. But if you're creating a system like Profit First, or if you're creating a culture in your organization, that doesn't happen by having a team building day, doing high fives, buying you know, a pool table or ping pong table. It actually happens by the habits that are created in our day to day. And that comes in the way of the questions that we're asking each other, the way in which we interact, the conversations that we have uh, on the cultural side. So in Profit First, is by the decisions that we make in in how we're setting things up and and, uh, and and the habits that we create, that creates the reality of today and the future of tomorrow that we envision.
0: Yeah, it, it's also it's just everything's a process. I think it's, you, got you, it. you don't like that. That's something with uh, when I was working in corporate America, I put on I don't know, man, I probably put on eighty pounds and was miserable. Yeah. And, like I've taken off 40 and then it's like I go up and down and I'm not'm I'm, there's times and I'm more disciplined than others but it's important to like just be okay with that and know mm-hmm. that it's a process I didn't I didn't put on 80 pounds overnight it was like a gradual thing that took place over about a oh yeah a 10-year period so um yeah, I think it was a 10 year I don't know it was nine or ten year period so it was yeah. it, it's just one of those things and you to uh, to think that you can just undo that and it's going to take place overnight it's it's just not it's just not realistic i think people Mm -hmm. people don't and i think it's also like the you know you you have to you have to stay the course you have to understand what it is why you're doing it and what you're doing and i think sometimes people uh i think carol dweck talks about in her book like Mm -hmm. it's you know we have a a growth mindset with a lot of things but just not everything and it's important right. to kind of realize where you have a, a fixed mindset over a growth mindset. So, um, I think I added to what you were trying to say there. But I, that's yeah. that's that's what made me think of that, Darren. I'll just say that.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's uh, that, that is that is such a such a true point, and and it is, and 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 if we have the habit of actually pausing, right? The grind, greatness, genius mm-hmm. example I gave earlier. That's just something that you can do, but it's not a one-time thing. Like, do it, and then start asking yourself, well, if I know that these are my elements of grind, and these are my elements of greatness and genius, what percentage of my time am I spending in these different areas, and are there ways that I can create shifts to spend more time in the greatness and the genius areas? And here's the thing, Drew, we're gonna all have elements of our life that is a grind. There's no perfect balance. There's no perfect balance where everything's perfectly in sync, right? So, let, 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 let me ask you this. If you if you had a situation where everything was perfectly in balance, right? Everything was perfect in the business. Everything was perfect with, with the way that receivables were coming in with the business. Your health was just right at the the, the amount of balance. Family's good. Friends are good. Everything is going on, it's really well. What would we do? We'd go would party. we would say we, we'd go party and then something would fall out of balance. The whole point here is if we ever are in that place where the scales are perfectly balanced, yeah. We, you know what we would do? We would say, stop doing everything. Everybody freeze, nobody move, nobody do anything. Yeah. Because if you do something, you're going to tip the balance. And that's the whole point is we, our, our life is about that ebb and flow. We're going to have yeah. times that we're more invested in business. We're going to have more times where we're more invested in stuff that's going on in our personal area. But if we have have that confidence, that faith that as we're in one of those seasons or a little bit more heavily involved in one area, that that will give us the permission to to take some time away from that and then step back into another area, that's where we go. But what we're doing in this cycle is finding these different areas that create energy for us. And sometimes to get to those places that create energy for us and also create impact for others, we have to step through some of the areas where maybe we're not, we don't enjoy as much and we're not as talented but in doing them, it opens us up to playing into those areas of energy where we create far more impact. And that, that that doesn't just apply in in where we work; it applies in all the things that we do and how those dots connect to to, to who we are and the, and the impact that we we have. I I know that's how I've tried to live my life personally.
0: Absolutely. So so let's say you guys are um. You know, you're you're taking on a new client. Is the first thing you do is sit down with like who's in charge and have them fill out like the, the grind greatness genius form or or what like what are your steps that you guys do to to help to to help figure out what the solution is to to start getting this work culture to go in the right direction. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, well, you start with just the right place, right? It's, it's the tone from the leadership. So we can come in and we can do a team building activity all day. But if the leadership is not bought in, it doesn't do anything. And we'll yeah. be the first people to tell you that. So to answer that question is we really try and work closely with that leadership team to identify what their unique talents are and how they play together. The way that we often do that from a talent standpoint, it's it's two-tier. We, we, we utilize different tools, but one of the tools that we really like is the Clifton Strengths Finder assessment. So we actually go through the Clifton Strengths Finder. gets lumped in as a personality profile assessment, but it actually doesn't measure your personality. It's measuring the presence of talent. And talent's not defined as how good of a gardener you are or how good of a guitar player you are or a painter. It's actually defined as your natural patterns of thought feeling, and behavior that can be productively applied. So it measures that, and from that, we're able to help identify how each leader naturally shows up. So it creates a lens of self-awareness for them and then also a lens of team awareness. From that, we really dig into, okay, how aligned are you as a leadership team? Are you bought into this? We also oftentimes, in teams that are a little bit larger, we will oftentimes measure actually go through the process of taking a pulse on where's this team's engagement at? How engaged are they? How disengaged are they? Because the talent focus, the strengths-based approach to human development, that's not the end-all be-all. The outcome that we're focusing on is culture building. And how do we measure culture? Well, the way that we measure culture is how engaged your team members are. And and we do that. We use a tool. uh, Many many organizations have their own engagement surveys, so we've used those. And, and we have a process where we connect the dots between how these talents are showing up and what's driving engagement. And then we also, for organizations that don't have that and for teams that don't have that, we use a tool called the Q12 uh, to, go, to go through that cycle uh, that you can get as well. And it's just 12 statements that measure how engaged people are. What was fascinating about that tool is, you know, many times, Drew, and, and it, you know, in your experience in corporate America, it sounds like you might have had this experience, You know, when somebody's leaving a job, what do we do? We have an exit interview, right? What happened is the Gallup organization spent 25 years not studying why people were leaving, but they actually studied why the best employees stayed. And what ended up happening was it boiled down to 12 really, really simple statements. Things like, I know what's expected of me at work. And we might say, that sounds really easy. I tell my employees what's expected of them. I tell them exactly what I want. But then when we look at the results of if our expectations that we laid out when we spoke to them, our expectations that we laid out when we sent an email out, do they align to where they got to? And a lot of times, that's not the case because it's sometimes it's like playing a game of telephone. You, you tell, I tell you something and I tell that same thing to 15 people, they all hear it a little bit differently because of the filters of their talent. So the questions that they go to, the things that matter to them about what was said, Stands out very differently. So we've got to actually get clear on on those pieces. So that's that's a big part of what happens is we make those connections between between creating culture on engagement by taking a pulse of where we're at and connecting that to talent and how talent
0: actually flows into that. Okay, that makes sense. Now, so what like? Do you think it's um for like different studies? And I guess just is this this is I'm just this is mainly from because of your profession. Do you think it's it's typically not useful for companies to do personality tests versus talent tests? Because it seems like personality tests are, it seems like they're, to me, I don't know, I kind of put on a conspiracy hat at times. It seems like it's, a, it's an easier way for them to kind of get rid of people versus help make them be a good fit.
1: Yeah, I, I, I believe that's a great question. There's many, many good assessment tools out there. To your point, it's the real question is, how are we using them? And we believe in using assessments as an opportunity for the human development side. But you've got to figure out, make sure that you're getting the right talents into the right roles. Does that mean that every single salesperson has to have the exact same talents? Absolutely not. It means if they have differing talents, understanding that the outcome, for instance, is to get the sales, but how are different people going to do that differently? How can we use their talents to get to that outcome? Help design, not, 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 uh, not just simply saying people to fit a job, but how do we design the jobs and the roles around the people and their, their respective talents? So it creates an opportunity for us to, when we talked about that African proverb, if you wanna go fast, go alone, if you wanna go far, go with others, we really believe that when we can look at each other instead of the lens of I disagree with you, you disagree with me, and we get stuck in that spiral, what happens when we can be confidently vulnerable, confident in where we shine and confident in me saying, hey, Drew, you know what, I'm really good at getting things done, but gosh, I sometimes I struggle on the – on, on making sure that I'm connecting with people. The networking piece doesn't come as natural to me, but gosh, if you're you going out there and you're networking, you're, you're needing a guy to partner with that can really just go out and get things knocked out and get things done, that's where I really thrive more. So the personality profiles, they can be good, but we, and, and there's many great personality profiles that are out there, DISC, Myers-Briggs, they're, they're great assessments, but we gotta use them in a way that's effective we really like the strengths-based approach because we're, we're looking at it from a lens of talent. And it doesn't even tell you, it, it's called the Clifton Strengths Finder. It doesn't actually technically tell you if these things are strengths. It's just telling you the presence of talent. And the important part to realize from a self-awareness standpoint is some of our, our greatest talents, they can be our greatest assets and our greatest liability sometimes. They can be things that allow us to shine. They can also be things that cause us to get into trouble. So
0: what's a, what's a good example of that?
1: Yeah, great example of that. So, so in, in, in the language of the, the finder, this is a really simple one. It's a very, very commonly recurring talent, something called the Achiever Talent. So the bulk of the population, it's, it's one of the most frequently recurring talents uh, that shows up in people across the globe and particularly here in the United States. Now, Achievers, Drew, they love to get things done they get energized by getting things completed. Sometimes they can be proverbial list makers. Now here's the thing, because there's this feeling of energy that comes from getting things done, sometimes achievers, and I, I am a number one achiever, that's my, my number one talent, one one things that we can do is we can run way past the finish line. And by that I mean we can get so focused on, I'll just get one more thing done because we enjoy that process of con- uh, crossing one more thing off the list maybe i got one more thing done on my to-do list but maybe that time should have been spent actually connecting with somebody on my team maybe i've pushed past the boundaries because i, I decided to get that one more thing done maybe it, it, it's costing me a little in my relationship with my spouse or with my my daughter or with my son because ah oh, geez i get that one more thing done they can wait it's going through, and we're not framing it in that way. So we sometimes we can be overcommitted. We say yes to do too many things because we get enjoyment from getting a lot of things completed and getting a lot of things finished. But it can cost us and get us into trouble. Yeah, and and we go through the process of coming aware of that and working through how do you manage around that? How do you catch yourself? when you're going to the not-so-helpful side of the talent. We're not using it in a way that's calibrated effectively, getting to the outcomes that we want,
0: is that, and this will is be that,
1: prevalent I mean, in us and in how others see us. Go ahead, there. Would sorry. you say that's
0: related to like avoiding the grind?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. That can be avoiding the grind, and it's also can be managing our talent. Because the grind can come from when we're trying to use talents that we just don't have effectively, it can also come when we're overusing or underusing talents that we do have that that we're just not tapping into.
0: Okay, that makes sense. Um well, Darren, we're about an hour here. I got to I got to do some deliveries today. It's a crazy farm day, Darren. Crazy but, farm uh, <laughs> day. I love it. But I'm glad uh I'm glad we finally got the time to uh sit down and talk. I'll have to talk to you again cuz it's really actually uh um Made me think about things quite a bit differently, and I hope if if people are listening, that business, if they own businesses, they think about this as well, and uh, and think about the the ideas you're saying. And um, so I'd say the big takeaways from this is know your talent, um, and know know when it's help when it's helping you and when it's hurting you, and yeah. and don't and be. I think it it, it kind of goes back to like Stephen Covey's seek like. Um, being interdependent, knowing mm-hmm. about interdependence or instead of um, competing, collaborate, that sort of thing. And I think it's 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 in that same vein because we have to, you know, we're so independent and I think the um, individualism is kind of like the real religion of the United States is like everybody wants to be their own individual. But at the same time, I mean, it's, you know, as you've said multiple times, uh, you go a lot farther with the team. If you want to get done quickly, you go on your own. But If you want to go far and prosper, you got to do it with others. Yep. And so, yep. and, um, yep. but yeah, man, that was, that was a great, uh, that was great. I, I don't really have much else to add. Um, anything else you want to add or plug before we, uh, we, we, we tie things up here.
1: No, just, uh, yeah, just if you enjoyed what you, you hear, take a look at us at 34strong.com. That's the number 34 and then the word strong.com. We, again, we believe that everybody deserves a great place to work and that any workplace can become great. And we're we're happy to help uh, help get that message out. Got a lot of articles there. Got some outstanding exercises for you uh, as well that are completely complimentary. And, and you can keep abreast of other programs that we have that are, that are going to be, be coming up here. We've got some virtual offerings that are going to be coming up in the months ahead here. Excellent. All right.
0: Excellent. Well, hey, Darren, thanks for joining us. Um, if people want to reach out to you or contact you, the best way is 34strong.com. 34strong.com. And
1: they can take a look at me on uh, on LinkedIn, Facebook, reach out in uh, in those locations to connect with me. I'd be happy to. I'm sure you'll have my my name and uh, contact information uh, put down in the show notes with the correct spelling of my last name Verasami. Yes,
0: yeah, uh, I know right.
1: that. I know that can be a little challenging when when they're when they're looking it up. But I definitely uh, yeah. will,
0: and I'll have a link too. I I highly recommend. I did download. I did sign up and download Grind Greatness Genius, um, and I and I plan on doing these exercises myself because this is actually. I don't know. I think you you know whenever you want to take your business to the next level or feel like. Cause I feel like I I'll get to the next level. Then it's always, okay, how do I do less? What is it growing? Mm-hmm. Like, and it's always, the solution is always, you know, well, let's pay somebody else to do it. Let's train right. them and pay somebody else to do it. And I think that's, that was kind of what I was, I was alluding to with earlier, like, um, as a business owner, even if like, let's say you, you don't need to consult, but I mean with you, you have plenty of resources that if people wanted to try on their own, they could, and then yep. they know where to go if they need to the help or they need to take yeah. the next level, just like Mike with Profit First.
1: You got it. You got it. There's some stuff that's out there, and that's that's what we want. So, and if you have questions, you know, uh, ask them to us. Great resources on our page for for articles, different things like that along along our blog, and we're constantly dripping new stuff. I was at I was at uh, some conferences this past week, so we've got a lot of fresh content that's going to be coming out with some some leadership lessons that came out from some of those different areas. Excellent. As well. Thank you so
0: much, Drew. I really, really appreciate being on. Oh, no problem. I appreciate you coming on and and holding me to it, man. And just, uh, you're following up. You know, sometimes it's a podcast, you know, I'm not the best at being a good podcaster, but you like really made me feel like I should be more professional and take my podcast more seriously. (laughs) And I feel like after this show, like I feel good, like, because I've been sitting on a bunch of episodes, it's like I really need to get these out there. So yeah. uh um but anyways uh, I appreciate it Darren. So anyways guys thanks for tuning in. Look forward to getting you guys some more episodes here soon.